Chapter Four of Plum Pudding of Diverse Ingredients Discreetly Blended and Seasoned. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano plum pudding of diverse ingredients discreetly blended and seasoned by christopher morley chapter four in memoriam francis barton gumare i often wonder what inward pangs of laughter or despair he may have felt as he sat behind the old desk in chase hall and watched us file in year after year callow juvenile ignorant and cocksure grotesquely confident of our own manly fullness of worldly savoir an absurd rabble of youths miserable flintheads indeed for such a steel we were the most unpromising of all material for the scholar's eye comfortable untroubled middle-class lads most of us to whom study was neither a privilege nor a passion but only a sober and decent way of growing old enough to enter business we did not realize how accurately and perhaps a trifle grimly the strong friendly face behind the desk was searching us and sizing us up he knew us for what we were a group of nice boys too sleek too cheerfully secure to show the ambition of the true student there was among us no specimen of the lean and dogged crusader of learning that kindles the eye of the master no fanatical scot such as rejoices the oxford or cambridge don no liquid orbed or hawk-faced hebrew with flushed cheekbones such as sets the pace in the classrooms of our large universities no we were a hopelessly mediocre well-fed satisfied and characteristically quakerish lot as far as the battle for learning goes we were pacifists conscientious objectors it is doubtful whether any really great scholar ever gave the best years of his life to so meagerly equipped a succession of youngsters i say this candidly and as well as should be said for it makes apparent the true genius of dr gumare's great gift he turned this following of humble plotters into lovers and zealots of the great regions of english letters there was something knightly about him he the great scholar who would never stoop to scoff at the humblest of us it might have been thought that his shining gifts were wasted in a small country college where not one in fifty of his pupils could follow him into the enchanted lands of the imagination where he was fancy-free but it was not so one may meet man after man old pupils of his who have gone on into the homely drudging rounds of business the law journalism men whose faces will light up with affection and remembrance when dr gumare's name is mentioned we may have forgotten much of our chaucer our milton our ballads though i am sure we have none of us forgotten the deep and thrilling vivacity 
of his voice reciting where hae ye been lord randall my son where hae ye been my handsome young man i hae been to the wild wood mither make my bed soon for i'm weary with hunting and fain wad lay down but what we learned from him lay in the very charm of his personality it was a spell that no one in his classroom could escape it shone from his sparkling eye it spoke in his irresistible humor it moved in every line of that well-loved face in his characteristic gesture of leaning forward and tilting his head a little to one side as he listened patiently to whatever juvenile surmises we stammered to express it was the true learning of which his favorite sir philip sidney said this purifying of wit this enriching of memory enabling of judgment and enlarging of conceit which commonly we call learning under what name soever it come forth or to what immediate end soever it be directed the final end is to lead and draw us to as high a perfection as our degenerate souls made worse by their clay lodgings can be capable of indeed just to listen to him was a purifying of wit an enriching of memory an enabling of judgment an enlarging of imagination he gave us quote, so sweet a prospect into the way as will entice any man to enter into it end quote. he moved among all human contacts with unerring grace he was never the teacher always the comrade it was his way to pretend that we knew far more than we did so with perfect courtesy and gravity he would ask our opinion on some matter of which we knew next to nothing and we knew it was only his exquisiteness of good manners that impelled the habit and we knew he knew the laughableness of it yet we adored him for it he always suited his strength to our weakness would tell us things almost with an air of apology for seeming to know more than we pretending that we doubtless had known it all along but it had just slipped our memory marvelously he set us on our secret honor to do justice to this rare courtesy to fail him in some task he had set became in our boyish minds the one thing most abhorrent in dealing with such a man a discourtesy he was a man of the rarest and most delicate breeding the finest and truest gentleman we had known had he been nothing else how much we would have learnt from that alone what a range what a grasp there was in his glowing various mind how open it was on all sides how it teemed with interests how different from the scholar of silly traditional belief we used to believe that he could have taught us history science economics philosophy almost anything and so indeed he did he taught us to go adventuring among masterpieces on our own account which is the most any teacher can do luckiest of all were those who on one pretext or another found their way to his fireside of an evening to sit entranced smoking one of his cigars footnote it was characteristic of him that he usually smoked robin hood that admirable five-cent cigar because the name and the picture of an outlaw on the band reminded him of the fourteenth-century ballads he knew by heart End of footnote. to hear him talk of stevenson meredith or hardy 
his favorites among the moderns to marvel anew at the infinite scope and vivacity of his learning this was to live on the very door-sill of enchantment homeward we would go crunching across the snow to where barclay crowns the slope with her evening blaze of lights one glimpse nearer some realization of the magical colors and tissues of the human mind the rich perplexity and many-sided glamour of life it is strange as one reviews all the memories of that good old friend and master to think that there is now a new generation beginning at haverford that will never know his spell there is a heavy debt on his old pupils he made life so much richer and more interesting for us even if we never explored for ourselves the fields of literature toward which he pointed his radiant individuality remains in our hearts as a true exemplar of what scholarship can mean we can never tell all that he meant to us gropingly we turn to little pictures in memory we see him crossing cope field in the green and gold of spring mornings on his way to class we see him sitting on the veranda steps of his home on sunny afternoons full of gay and eager talk on a thousand diverse topics he little knew i think how we hung upon his words i can think of no more genuine tribute than this that in my own class which was a notoriously cynical and scoffish band of young sophisters when any question of religious doubt or dogma arose for discussion among some midnight group someone was sure to say quote, i wish i knew what dr gumare thought about it End quote. we felt instinctively that what he thought would have been convincing enough for us he was a truly great man a greater man than we deserved and there is a heavy burden upon us to justify the life that he gave to our little college he has passed into the quiet and lovely tradition that surrounds and nourishes that place we all love so well little by little she grows drawing strength and beauty from human lives around her confirming herself in honor and remembrance the teacher is justified by his scholars dr gumare might have gone elsewhere surrounded by a greater and more ambitiously documented band of pupils he whom we knew as the greatest man we had ever seen moved little outside the world of learning he gave himself to us and we are the custodians of his memory every man who loved our vanished friend must know with what realization of shamed incapacity one lays down the tributary pen he was so strong so full of laughter and grace so truly a man his long vacation still seems a dream and we feel that somewhere on the well-beloved campus we shall meet him and feel that friendly hand in thinking of him i am always reminded of that fine old poem of sir henry wotton a teacher himself the provost of eton whose life has been so charmingly written by another haverfordian logan pearsall smith the character of a happy life how happy is he born and taught that serveth not another's will whose armor is his honest thought in simple truth his utmost skill whose passions not his masters are whose soul is still prepared for death not tied unto the world by care of public fame or private breath who envies none that chance doth raise nor vice who never understood 
how deepest wounds are given by praise nor rules of state but rules of good who hath his life from rumours freed whose conscience is his strong retreat whose state can neither flatterers feed nor ruin make oppressors great who god doth late and early pray more of his grace than gifts to lend and entertains the harmless day with a well-chosen book or friend this man is freed from servile bands of hope to rise or fear to fall lord of himself though not of lands and having nothing yet hath all such was the happy man as sir henry wotton described him such i think was the life of our friend i think it must have been a happy life for he gave so much happiness to others End of chapter four recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida